lift your Bibles up and say with me that this is God's word, not Pastor Omar's word. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be what it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Come on, let me read for you Psalm 91. I know you go. Go with me, but not a problem. Go ahead. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in him I will trust. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you up with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler, and you shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your, your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up. Lest you dash your foot against a stone, you shall tread up on the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on a high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Hallelujah. And Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus that God, we, your, our eyes will be open to see your truth. Our ears open to hear your voice. Our minds open to understand your word. And our hearts are ready to receive all you have in store for us. Today, Lord God, if we are disconnected, we want to be connected. If we are not properly con connected, we want to be totally plugged in to what you are doing. We give you the glory, the honor, and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So this whole account is uh, to reconnect so we can refresh, especially in these tough and rough times that we are going in. So as we look at the text, let, let, let's, let's look at the text and see what principles are there from uh, a biblical interpretation that we can apply. So the first thing, if you are going to reconnect with God, the first thing, if you are going to reconnect with God, if you are going to reconnect so you can refresh, the first thing that the psalmist says is, or is instructing when you look at the text, is that we need to run to God. We need to run to God. These are the times to run to God. With all that is happening, 
We need a safe place, a safe person. We need a strong place and a strong person. We need a wise place and a wise person. And that is God, so we need to run to him. What the psalmist says in verse 1 is this. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone, hallelujah, he alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I will trust him. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from daily disease. He will cover you with his feathers and he will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. So when you read this, you understand. Let me just break this down. There are two ways to attain knowledge of God. One way is to begin with man and reason upward. All right? That way will fail. The other way is to begin with God and then accept his revelation of himself to us. So one, the best way, what is the best way to get knowledge of God is to begin with God. Have a relationship with God and then allow God to reveal himself to you. That's what God is doing in this. Because in the Bible, a person's name is descriptive of their character in scriptures. No, our names don't describe our character. I know you're thinking, I know since you've become a Christian, you checked out what your name means. And what your name means is very far from what your character is. Because when your parents were naming you, they did not know what your character would be to name you based on that. With God, it is different. God had the character before he got the name. If you go back in scriptures, you will realize that when parents were going to have children, God would tell them what to name the child in visions and dreams. Because God foreknew the character that the child would possess. And based on that, he gave them names. Amen? God is like that. God was everything before a name was ascribed to the thing. Come on now. It, in Genesis, when Abraham, just a quick example, was about to sacrifice oh, his son Isaac, he revealed himself. Remember how we get knowledge of God. We begin with God and he reveals himself. He revealed himself in that moment as Jehovah what? Jireh, the Lord who provides. But do you know earlier in Genesis, God had provided. So he didn't start providing then. He just revealed himself by that name then. But he, his character was provider way before that moment. He provided for Adam in the garden. He provided breath for man in the garden. He was a provider long before the name came afterwards. So now, when we say run to God, based on the scripture, we're going to look at the names of God used and see what we are to run to. So there are four names that, that reveals truths about who God is and why we can run to and reconnect to him in these rough times. The first name the scripture uses is Most High. Look in the Bible, it's right there. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. 
most high in the Hebrew is El Elyon. And this means God is the uppermost, the supreme, and the sovereign God. He is the most high God who is in control of everything. El Elyon. So let me help you with uppermost. Uppermost means the highest. That there is nobody above him. There is nothing above God. Nothing can get above God. God does not decline. God is permanently uppermost. In fact, God can't get any higher. Right now and always, God is as high as he can ever be. You can't push him up any higher. And you can't take him any lower. The psalmist says, listen, reconnecting. We need to run to God because he is the most high. What does this truth mean? It means that we can run to him because he's above all things. Come on, just say that with me. God is above all things. I, I wanted to register in your spirit this morning. And here's what I wanted to register. It means that what you're going through right now, Guess what? Guess what? Guess what? Did you, did you get what? If God is most high, what you're going through means that God is what? Above what you're going through. What you're feeling right now, God is above it. What happened in your childhood, God is above it. God is above all things. God is above what is happening globally. God is above what is happening locally. Long before these things were, God was high. And when they are gone, God will still be high. It says, shall abide under the shadows of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. For my God, my God in, in, in him, I will trust. You see, in terms of shelter and refuge in verse 1 to 2, it pictures the tender images of, of the Most High God. This Most High is a tender image of God because the psalmist speaks about how he provides shelter and refuge from the harsh and threatening elements, like a bird covering her, uh, her young under her soft wings. The Most High God provides a shelter. He provides a refuge. He provides a covering. He is above all. And what that means is that when everything seems to be overwhelming, there's a place that we can connect. There's a place that we can stay in. There's a place we can abide in. And in that place, we get covered. We get protection. We get shelter from the elements. And God does this as a tender, loving, most high God. The second description of God or the name used is the Almighty. And the Almighty means that God is El Shaddai. That's the Hebrew. And that word comes from the root word mountain and speaks of God's strength and God's position. God is almighty. You see, there are very few mountains. I know the scripture says, you will say to that mountain, move and it shall be. But, I mean, I mean, come on now. You, you don't move mountains. Like physical mountains. God, this root word comes from the, word, the root word mountain. It speaks of God's strength. And it speaks of God's position. Strength means he has all strength. And that God has all power. You see, God revealed himself. 
under this name to Abraham in Genesis 17 from verse 1 to 2. When he promised to be his God and to bless him. God said, Abraham, I am the almighty God. And what God was saying to Abraham, listen man, don't worry about it. Nothing is impossible. Nothing is too difficult. If I ask you to go there, I will make it happen. When I speak about the multitudes of your generation, it is going to happen because of my strength and my position. I am almighty. It speaks of the God who has the power to be and do all that he has promised. Everything that God has promised, God by himself has all the power to do it. What does this truth mean to you and I? It means we can run to him because God is all powerful. God is not just above all and before all. He is all powerful. I run to God. He's my safe place. Because he's all powerful. I run to God to reconnect. I'm not going to let the crisis split up the relationship. I'm going to run to my God. And I'm going to reconnect to my God. To the terms fortress. In verse 2 it says, and my fortress. It's a picture. Fortress is, is different from shelter and refuge. It's a shelter and refuge speaks of a tender place. The picture is of tenderness. Fortress speaks of toughness. It's a place of absolute safety. And in the almighty sense, it's a place where we are guaranteed protection from all attack. So, so most high, when it refers to shelter and refuge, is speaking about the tender image of the most high. Putting you under his feathers. Like how, you know, like when your daughter or your son does something, they come and they cry in your arms. It, the most high speaking in the sense of God being that mother, being that father to the child. Watch this. When he speaks of him being almighty in the context of this scripture, he's saying that he's powerful. There's a toughness about God. And that toughness, toughness is a protective toughness that, watch this, that your enemy can't attack you. The tenderness of God protects you and soothes you. But the same God has a protective nature that's tough so the enemy cannot harm you. I, I know it's taking a while for you to get it. So let me break it down for you. It's just like this. If I am a licensed firearm holder, let's use that as an example, and my son is in danger and he runs to me, he's not fearful of the firearm. But the person who is attacking him sees the firearm and feels threatened. So the same firearm makes my son feel protected. But let the enemy know you can't attack. Are you getting this? Come on. God is almighty, but he's most high. He's protecting you. But because he's also almighty, it means that when the enemy sees God protecting you, the enemy can't attack you because he cannot penetrate the protective wall of God around you. That's why the scripture speaks about the pestilence and talk about they can't come near you because the protecting almighty God that you serve, hallelujah, will prevent alarm. The scripture also says that in verse 2 and 9 that he's Lord and Lord means that he is the self-existing one. We sing this song that he's God all by himself. 
God is Jehovah. Jehovah means he's self He's a self-existing one. This, this name of God is used over 6,500 times in the Bible. It's the most used name. He's God all by himself. He's not dependent on human hand. We can't make God any more God. And we can't make him less than he already is. He doesn't need us. He doesn't, God, God is not dependent on you. He's not dependent on me. God is God. Before we were, God is. And God was. And God will forever be. When we're gone, God is. God is not dependent. He is self-existent. God don't need oxygen, carbon dioxide. He don't need sunlight. He don't need rain. He exists without elements. Do you understand? God don't need a seat. He don't need a road. He don't need sea. I want you to understand that God don't need water. I, I, listen, I want, to get, I want to get the science right. Nothing environmental God needs. Come on, come on. Think, think about it. God need a road? God don't need trees. He feeds himself. Say God had some tooth or teeth. Some teeth. He doesn't need toothbrush. Clean himself. God don't need sanitization stuff. God needs nothing. He is self-existing. No, no, brother, let, like, 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 listen, listen, we, we, you understand me? Every now and then we may need to drink something. It's all in God. He doesn't have a thirst problem. He doesn't have a hunger problem. God don't need a house. He doesn't need a car to move around. He's self-existing. That's what it means. God needs nothing to be. Because everything he needs, he is. That's what it means. He needs nothing to be God because everything he needs, he is. Think about the needs in your life. And all of that, God is. God is house. He rides on the cloud. Understand me? I mean, he has a white horse. Come on, come on now. Listen, he has streets of gold. He, he, you understand me? He's the lily of the valley, the fierce of 10,000, the bright morning. He is everything. He's light. He's living water. He's the bread of life. He's resurrection. So when he revealed himself to Moses, he said, in Exodus, I am who I am. Who should I say send me? I am. And Moses was wondering, how, how can somebody name I am? And he was saying, Moses, I am everything you can think of. I am. And just keep adding. Moses, anything you want, you can add. I am. I am water. I am the part of the Red Sea. I am the manna that come from heaven. You understand me? I am the spirit that walks around Jericho and tramp it down. I am. See, in a world where values, morals, and laws change, 
we can find stability and security in our unchanging God, the one who is I am. Listen, remember, things, everything else in this life changes except God. So if we want to be someplace in crisis, someplace in tough time, the place to be is in God. Why? Because, listen, the dollar is going to change. The house is going to change. The marriage is going to change. The children going to change. The job is going to change. The bank account going to change. We are going to change. The church is going to change. But guess what? God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. There is no changing in him because he's a self-existing one. We can run to him because God is unchanging. When we did our God is series, we used the word immutable. God cannot change. Because he cannot change. When the psalmist is using the word Lord in verse 4, it is spoken in terms of the faithfulness of God. And what that means is if God is faithful and God is unchanging, it means that God is forever faithful. It's a picture of a trustworthy image. You can trust in the Lord. You can believe in the Lord. You can hope in the Lord. You can stay connected to the Lord regardless of the crisis because he's unchanging. The fact that God is 100% faithful is like a shield I can rest behind or protection that surrounds me. I can rest behind the Lord because he's 100% faithful. Scripture also uses the name God in verse 2. He says, my God, in him I will trust. My God, the Hebrew word is the word Elohim. It means that God is superior to all so-called gods. It means that God is the strong one. It means that he is the mighty leader and the supreme deity. He is bigger than our imagination. Whatever your thoughts are right now, God is bigger than it. Whatever you think about God, God is bigger than that. You're, oh, this is awesome. Like your mind cannot imagine the fullness of God. Our minds are not, Is that awesome? You can, you can probably understand the furthest cars can go. But you can't put, even in your mind, full comprehension of this God. He is superior to all. It means that we can run to him because he's Lord. When times get rough, do not run from God, but run to God and avail yourself. Watch this. To the refuge he provides. Don't run from him. Run to him. And know there is crisis and and, and, and I mean, I, I want us to be honest today because some of us have, 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 have lost our way. Some of us have gone astray because we have forgotten the Elohim. We have forgotten El Elyon. We have forgotten Jehovah. We have forgotten that he's unchanging. He's all-powerful. He's above all and he's superior to all. And somehow God has called us this morning to remind us that get re connected and stay connected to the source of all power because everything else will change but I will remain the same don't run to God run away from God run to God avail yourself to him 
and take refuge in what he provides. He is above your circumstances. He is all powerful. He is unchanging. And he is the Lord of heaven. And he is the Lord of earth. He is in control. Hallelujah. The psalmist, psalmist also encourages us that, listen, when, when, when these things are happening all around you, right, I want you to reconnect. I want you to run to God. But then we want, he wants us to relax in faith. We need to relax. And what, do, what does the psalmist mean? If you look at verse 5 to 10, the psalmist is instructing us, number one, to trust God. You have to trust God. Because verse 9 says this, you have made the Lord your dwelling place. The word dwelling has been used to refer to an animal's den, a place of retreat, or a place you call home, or abode. You have made the Lord your home. The presence of the Lord becomes the place that you live. And I know you remember there was a time when all that mattered to me was God's presence. And somehow we have been uh, uh, encumbered by, by so many things. And, and all kind of things have come upon us. And we have gotten busy. We have gotten distracted. And all of a sudden, the Lord, we, we, have, we have rented some other space. And we have leased some other spot. And God is saying, listen, come back home. Come back to the home. Come back to the place where everything was between you and me. When we were past just relating, but we had a relationship. Where we were past just doing activities. But we were intimately engaged. I want you to understand that you can be in a relationship. Watch this. Doing the activity, but you're not in love. If you're married, you know that. That sometimes some activities go on in marriage, but your love is there. It ought not to be, but it happens. That people do the activities in relationship. Even when the relation is like, it's like uh, a father having to pay child support. He still is taking care of his responsibility to the mother and the child. But they are not in a relationship. Sometimes that's how we, we treat our relationship with God. Like we owe him something, so we pay in tithes and offering child support. But we're not really in nothing. We move out of the house. It, it would be like two persons are married and they decide to listen, I'm moving out. But I still love you, I'm checking up on you, but I move out of the house. You know that at that time, you're just doing the activities of a marriage. And many times, because, and this is the deception of the enemy. The enemy will make you do activities and think you're in love. And guess what? Because the relationships seem okay, you don't realize how broken the relationship is. You know how the relationship is broken when the activities stop. Come on now, let me get it. So when people were not able to come to church anymore, when the activities stop, they realize how broken the relationship has always been. When the activities, because of the pandemic, the activities in church slow down. Many people realize finally how far they were from God. The truth is you didn't get far from God. You were always far from God. 
but the activities were deceiving us. And that's why it's a good thing we had the pandemic. So that we can check ourselves and estimate ourselves with sober thinking and reconnect to God. Amen? We have to choose to relax and trust God to be our refuge. The story is told about a man who went and toured the Holy Land in Israel. And it, inadvertently, he fell into the Dead Sea. So he began kicking and yelling, trying to keep himself above water. But the more he kicked, the deeper he sank. So the tour guide yelled out over to him, Stop fighting and relax. The water is full of salt and you will sink if you keep moving. Trust me. When the man relaxed and stopped kicking, he began to float up to the top of the water due to the influence of the high salt content on the water. You see, the same is true for a rough time. When we fight against them, we sink. When we relax in faith, the influence of God's presence lifts us up. Listen, some of us are fight, we're fighting to get rich. We're fighting to get married. We're fighting to get divorced. We're fighting to get the job. We're fighting, 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 fighting. God says, listen, re relax. Relax in faith. Relax. And I know some of you are saying, well, pastor, but you just tell us that we need to use our ability and do all of this. Yes, I did, and, and that's 100%. But I've learned this, church. I've learned this. I used to say, well, Lord, um, come. Lord, please, God, come and come. Come, God. Come. No, listen what? I have stopped and said, God, you go, and you call me, and I'll follow. I've stopped going and asking God to follow me. I've said, Lord, you go, and I'll follow you. In all that you're doing, make sure that you're following God. Listen, some of you are fighting some situation when you need to relax. Trusting God is going to determine how you live your life. If you can't trust God, you're going to have problems. If you're not trusting God, you're going to find yourself in the wrong place with the wrong plan and the wrong path. So scripture says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And that is why, if you notice the connection in verse 2, the psalmist says, my, 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 then he says I. Because this is a personal thing. It's all about you trusting God for yourself. Because to the extent that you trust God is the extent of the refuge and protection we will experience in him. Relaxing in faith also means do not fear. You will not be afraid. Can't live your life in fear. Fear will cripple you. Fear will marginalize you. And fear will kill you. You can't live your life in fear. Since the source of safety is the, is the almighty God. No threat or danger, no matter how great, is mightier than God's keeping power. Lord, the Lord is mighty. He's able to keep. Matthew 10, 28, Jesus said, And do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul. But rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Do not fear. 
You can't live in fear. I know you're in a situation now. And you say, man, I don't know how I'm going to make it. That's fear. God will bring you through. God will bring you out. God will keep you. He is Lord. He is God. He's the Almighty. He is the Most High. I, I know you have a testimony. I know you're one of those who you were in a toxic relationship. And you said to yourself, I don't know, I know I can't. I know I'm not supposed to be in it, but how is my, how my bills going to pay? How am I going to manage? And listen, the longer you stay, the worse it got. The moment you came out, doors begin to open. Because you can't keep a healthy relationship operating in it in fear. You can't. You can't be with someone because you fear what will happen if you leave them. Let me say this. If my wife said, you know why I am really with you? Because I just don't know, you know. And I really love you, and I just don't know what will happen if me and you're not together. I said, well, I would say, well, it's time to find out. I'm a technical dulcimer, you know. I'm going to put my one and two little items. I'm going to sing my sanky and find my way. A different home. Because no relationship can operate healthy in a place where the person said, The reason I'm with you is because I fear what's going to happen to me if I'm not with you. I hope you're hearing me. I know you're saying, Well, Pastor, you just don't know what I'm going through. That's true, I don't know. I don't know what you're going through. I can tell you what was happening in the Psalms. Terror, arrows, pestilence, destruction, evil, and plagues. That sounds worse than your condition. I don't know. I mean, when I hear pestilence, I think about pestilence. I don't know what they, I don't even know what pestilence are. I just know that it don't sound normal. When I hear about plagues, it just don't sound like normal human. It just seems like something like I would not want to be in a place where there are plagues. So I don't know what you're going through, but I know when the psalmist spoke, he spoke from a place where there was terror, arrow, pestilence, destruction, evil, and plague. And he made God his refuge in all of that. Sometimes, if we seem out of control and we feel like victims of our circumstances, we'll say words like, I am doing okay under the circumstances. Listen, just lift your hands and say with me. And say, I will never... Declare out of my mouth that I am doing okay under the circumstances. Why I want you to say that? Because my question to you is, what are you doing under your circumstances? What are you doing under your circumstances? If God is your refuge, if God is Elohim, if God is more, what are you doing under your circumstances? You see, circumstances are like mattress. You know the mattress that you put on your bed? You see, if you're on top, you can rest easy. But if you get underneath, you're going to suffocate. You have a choice to either be under the mattress or to lie on the mattress and relax in faith. Psalmist also helps us to understand that God is not negligent or caught off guard 
in verse 5 and 6 because it speaks about night and day and darkness and at noon. He is on the job. Every minute of every hour of every day of every week of every month of every year. God faithfully provides shelter and refuge for those who come to him. In fact, Isaiah says this in Isaiah 26, 3 to 4. You, Lord, gives true peace to those who depend on you because they trust you. So, trust the Lord always because he is our rock forever. Amen? So we run to God, we relax in faith, and then we rely on God's resources. How can I relax in faith when I've got unmet needs? I relax in faith even when I have unmet needs because God is in control. God is in control. He is in charge even during our rough times. Verse 11 to 13, the scripture says, and he will give his angels charge. Charge is also translated appoint or to send help. In other words, God will send help. God will send help. God will send help to you. God will send help to you. God will send help to you. So you can rely on him. It says God commissioned angels to watch over and protect his own. God gives his angels charge. They bear us up. But we are to walk. They bear us up. Well, it means that you have angels that God has assigned to watch over you. You have angels that God has assigned to protect you. You have angels that God has appointed and sent to keep you, to provide for you, to feed you, to minister to you. And you're saying, well, Pastor, that we have angels. What are you talking about? I've never seen an angel. I've never met an angel. What are you talking about? Matthew 18, verse 10. Going to help. This, is, this is the Bible. And I know you have read it, but I want, I want, I want you to underline this in your Bible. It says, see that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I say to you, I want you to look at these words, that they're angels. Few things they need to know. There is what I call ownership, or like I said, possessive pronoun. Ownership, right? It's T-H-E-I-R, which is speaking about. It says, they're angels. In other words, you have angels. I want you to hear that again. The scripture is saying, don't mess with that person. Don't mess with that child of God. Don't mess with that child of God. Don't mess with pastor. Don't mess with that president and worship leader. Don't mess with that usher. Don't mess with that little teenager who have a relationship with God. Why? Because God, they have the, their angels. Watch this, watch this, watch this. This is good. They said they're angels in heaven who continually behold the face of God, of the, my father who is in heaven. So they have some angels. You have angels in heaven who is before God every day on your behalf. Well, well, Pastor, that is no biggie. What is that? I, I mean, I'm not so sure about that. Let me give you more scripture. Matthew 4, verse 11. It says, then he left him. This is after the, the devil left him. The devil came and tempted Jesus. And behold, angels came and began to minister to him. In other words, the first scripture said the angels are in heaven. This scripture says that they came from heaven to earth to minister to Jesus. That means, listen, you, hallelujah, 
are so loved by God that your angels in your time of need will leave heaven to come to earth to guess what? To minister on your behalf. You see, that is why Satan actually used these verses in the temptation of Jesus. He said Jesus should have thrown himself down from the mountain. Because didn't the scripture say Jesus that if you do, you will not dash your foot against the stone, for he shall give his angels. Satan quoted that to Jesus. Because he's constantly trying to distort our understanding of God's resources and how we can draw upon them. You see, what he was trying to do is to get Jesus to worship angels. Because he's saying that Jesus, throw yourself down and show how powerful angels are. He was trying to get Jesus to worship angels. We're not supposed to worship angels or call upon them. But God uses them to execute his will on our behalf. And so Hebrews 1 verse 14 says this, Are they not all ministering spirits, speaking of angels, sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? The point is that God is in, char in charge, church. We are to look to him to meet our needs in rough times. Don't grow, run away from God. Run to God. You see, we have to take steps of faith. The scripture says you will tread. You will trample. When times get tough, we tend to sit and wait for improvements to come to us. But God says we are to do our part. God will not tread upon the lion and the cobra for us. Angels will not trample down the young lion and the serpent. Those experiences are for us. We have to step in faith and not in fear. We relax in faith. We rely on God. We run to him. You see, resources are available for our need, but we are to take steps of faith and walk in them. God provides the help. We are to take the steps of faith. For the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. Let me, let me just close this out with this. Finally, we must recommit to him. You see, I'm going to challenge some of us today to recommit to the Lord. We have to recommit to him. Listen, you are, you are, you are better than this. Your relationship with God was better than this. What has happened? Only those who know and love God are assured of his protection. So when times get tough, it tends to clarify for us that which is most important. Our priorities get tested and we discover that we have to refocus our lives. That's the thing. Tough times really tell stories. What story is being told of you now? In this pandemic. I know you can go back and say, Pastor, listen, let me tell you this. Man, I, I remember when I just got saved, I was so excited. But somehow, the cares of this world, and the stuff in life, of just they have just come in and all kind of stuff happening. And you know that you know that you know that something is missing. Listen, have you ever been in love? Come on, put your hand up. If you have ever, if you have not been in love, you're missing out. So put up your hand just, just for the sake of it. All right? Yeah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Even if the person never loved you back, you were in love, right? You were in love with them. It's, it's okay, it's okay. We all have those experiences. You were deeply in love with them and they just didn't like you. That, that's all right. You're not alone. Amen? You are not alone. Jesus loved the world and they crucified him. A amen? So don't feel alone. Watch this. But when you're in love, 
with someone and they are in love with you. There are times when that relationship gets dry. So that's why I tell people, you need to, you need to go slow, you know. Save some of the light, nice stuff for 10 years. You understand me? You see all these hypocrites you're buying? Don't buy like $1,000 credit right now. Because if you set the bar so high, after one year in the relationship, you're going to $10,000 credit. And when you can't afford it, it's going to look like, that's normal. I'm used to this now. Can you do something different? And, and you have run out of all your differences. You understand me? There's no more different. I've exhausted it all. So go slow. A credit a year is enough to spare. I'm just kidding. Don't, don't work with that. I mean, relationship. But the point I'm making is that relationships have a way of growing cold as the years progress. And sometimes we are not honest enough with ourselves to admit that I've grown cold with the Lord. And so here are some questions as we close. I want you to ask yourself. Three questions. I'm going to share a story and then we, we're done. Do I know him? And that's in verse 14 of our passage. Verse 14 says, Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. God will deliver those who set their love on him. He says, I will set him on high because he has known my name. Remember when we looked at the names? Do you know him by name? Now the know that is used is a yada. This know in, in, in the original context it comes from the word yada. Y-A-D-A and that word means to be intimate. It's the same word used back in Genesis where it says, and Adam knew his wife. It's speaking about an intimate connection. So the psalmist is really saying that this happened because I, I have an intimate relationship with God. Do you know him? The Bible says that we can be sure that we know God personally. God promises to deliver and provide security for those who know his name. You were created by God to have a heartfelt love relationship with him. Rough times reveal how far away from God we really are. And we must commit our lives to him. What do these times say about your relationship? Number two, second question. Do I call upon him? Because verse 15 says this. He, he shall call upon me and I will answer him. God answers his children who call upon him. He not only hears them, but is with them in an intimate and personal way. Are you experiencing times of prayer, answers, and ne the nearness of God? Rough times beckon us to shift our lives from independence to dependence by calling on the name of the Lord. For the name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous run to it and be saved, and they are safe. Listen, it's not time to call upon people. It's not time to call upon a system. It's not time to call upon government. It's time to call upon the Lord. Final question is this, am I satisfied in him? It says, I will satisfy him. In verse 16, with long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. The length of days. With length of days, I'll satisfy him. Those who genuinely church have a personal relationship with God. Live a life marked by genuine satisfaction. There's a place you get where you're satisfied. What do I mean by that? Today, let me ask you. You must be satisfied 
with where, you, where God has you. And if you're dissatisfied, one of the things you need to do is ask, is this where you want me, Lord? Is my life where you want it to be? Because when you are in Christ, you're where God wants you to be. Listen, I always tell you this, that place is important. The place that you're at, because God made place before God made people. So don't ignore place. Make sure you're in the right place in your life. Make sure you're living in the right plan for your life. On the right path for your life. And you're connected to the right people. Listen, a bad relationship can bring you far. Pastor, that, what kind of madness is that? Relationships are good. There are two sons in a story. We call it prodigal, prodigal son. But there are two sons in the story. One son asked his father to give him all that was his. And he left the house. One of the first things that happened is that he found friends. You remember that? And he spent all that he had with his friends on wildlife. You remember that story, the prodigal son? He met these friends. The wrong people brought him to the wrong place. He had a wrong plan. And he was on the wrong path. And then he ended up in a pen. It sounds familiar. That sometimes we walk away from the right place. Find the wrong people. We have the wrong plan. And take the wrong path. And end up in some pen somewhere. Story goes on and said. One day he came to his senses. When the people left. The plan failed. The part lost. And all he had. Was a choice between the pen. And the right place. The scripture said. And he came. To his senses. And, and here's what he said. Hold on. I'd be better off in my father's house. Even if he made me a servant, I'd rather be a servant in my father's house than to be in this place. He got up from where he was and he made his way home. So on his way home, the father runs out and meets him. You know the story. But there's a son in the house. When he saw the big party, he said, listen, all this time, this is what he said. He said, all this time, I've been in the house doing the activities. I've, doing, I've been doing all the sun activities. And this son who was out there, come back and look how you treat him. You get, let me give you something that you probably have never seen. The son who was out was a focus on the brother. You know who was focused on? The father. The son that was in there wasn't focused on the father. You know who he was focusing on? The brother. Because all he was concerned about was doing activities. One son valued the relationship so much and he said this. I know I'm not doing the right activities. I'm not even in the right place. But he didn't say, I'm going back to the house. He said, I'm going back to my father. It was a relationship he ran back for, not for the party. And one son lived in the place where the relationship was. 
and wasn't enjoying it. But what do I mean by that? Because there are people who are in church doing all the activities, but they are missing out on the relationship. Come on, bow your heads with me. I want you to think about that. Saying that you could be living in the house, doing all the activities, but still yet, you're missing out on relationship with the Father. Father had to correct the son in the house. He didn't even correct the son who left. He kind of said to him, shut up, shut up, shut up. But he said to the one in the house, don't you get it? The son of man was lost. But now he's found. I believe that both sons were lost. One got lost in the house and one got lost in a pen. Just close your eyes with me. Listen. Maybe you have just asked for your things to leave the house. Maybe you are the person who have connected to the people. Maybe you're the person who has gotten to the place of the pen. Or maybe you're the son in the house. But either way, lying before us today is a grand opportunity to reconnect to the Father. Like the songwriter says, he says, I run to the Father again and again. It, it's, it's your opportunity to run back to the arms of God. Your opportunity to relax in faith. It's your opportunity to rely on his resources. To recommit to him. Recommit to your times of prayer. Your times of worship. Your times of meditation. Your times of serving, your times of giving. Do you have a personal relationship with him? Have you come to the place in your spiritual journey where you know beyond the shadow of a doubt that God is in your life? Let me give you four key words to embrace with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. The first word is God. I want you to know that God created you to know him personally. But to many people, he seems far away and impersonal. Why? What is the problem? Problem is man. Man chose to go his own way. And the relationship with God was broken. Sin separates us from God. And that's why we feel far away. But then there's Jesus. Jesus was God in the flesh. He died to pay for our sins and separate us from our sins. He gave us his life 
to reconnect us to God. This morning, we can reconnect to Him. We have an opportunity to reconnect to Him this morning. So you, you can know God in a personal way. Personal way. By transferring your sins to Jesus by faith. And receiving His gift of forgiveness and eternal life. I want you to do this this morning because real security is not the absence of danger, but the presence of God. Is he present in your life? Acts 3.19 says, Repent, therefore, turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. God did not send Jesus to rub your sins in but to rub them out. If you'll turn from your sin, trust Jesus to be your Savior, the one who died to take the punishment of your sins and invite Christ into your life, times of refreshing will come your way as you'll have the presence of the Lord in your life. Hallelujah. Come on, I want you to just stand with me with your hands lifted. And I want you to begin to call on the name of the Lord with your hands lifted. Right where you are, just pray and say, Lord, I, I'm running to you this morning. I'm reconnecting to you this morning. You know, speak to him. Call on his name. Elohim. El Elyon. El Shaddai. The self-existing one. Come on, lift your hands and with your eyes closed so you can focus on him. So Lord, I, I return to you. I recommit to you. I run to you, my God. I relax in faith. I will trust in you. I will not fear. I recommit to you. and just worship him. Listen, this is a holy moment. Listen, there's an old song that they used to sing way back in the days about, I want to live. I want to run to you, to your arms of truth. Oh, let me live. In the glory of your grace. I think it's a Ron Connolly song. That's what we want to do this morning. We want to run back to God. We want to re-enter and recommit. Spirit of living God, I thank you this morning. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus. I pray in the name of Jesus that your spirit, your spirit would fall afresh on your people. That God, there will be renewal, reconnection, refreshing, and recommitment. 
I pray in the name of Jesus that God you'll pour fresh fire, fresh oil on your people this morning. Revive them again, Spirit of the living God. We will dwell in the secret place. We will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Lord, we choose this morning to run to you, not away from you. Lord, we go past the activity to focus our lives on the intimacy of our relationship with you. Yes, Lord. God, we bless you. God, we thank you. God, we give you glory. And we give you honor. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord a big hand clap this morning. fighting for us. God is on our side. He has overcome. Yes, He has overcome. We will not be shaken. We will not be moved. Jesus, you are here. Carrying our burdens, covering our shame. He has overcome. Yes, He has overcome. We will not be shaken. We will not be moved. Jesus, you 